With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. It's Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number 17 with Alexander Moneypenny and my good friend Bradley Adams. Bradley Adams, how you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yes, I'm good. <laughs> Why have we gone to Northern oh, Ireland? I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> yeah, listen, we've been, we've been trying to set up this FaceTime call for about half an hour. We've just been saying, I swear Wi Fi hasn't actually like improved as a product in. My lifetime, certainly. I remember. Yeah. I remember you. Or like cellular service, like the whole idea of it. So I, I, I think cellular, like four G, I did notice an improvement. But I'm talking like actual Wi-Fi. Whether it's like just that I've just had bad luck. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever like used Wi-Fi and gone like, oh wow, this is significantly better. Yeah, it just seems to be bullshit. What a strange talking point to start the podcast with. Very strange, <laughs> very strange, mate. Okay, how are you, Brad? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. My uh, my legs are a bit dead. Brad and I played football again yesterday. Yeah, um, a lot of fun. Have lot to, of fun. I have to say, listeners, sorry to bang the drum again, but um, listen, after Leno's theatrics, whatever he was fucking doing in that game, <laughs> um, I I I'd stick Brad in net. I'd stick Brad between the sticks. Um, some some gorgeous saves, including a, a particularly good one. Uh, to, to deny me a goal, a goal. Uh, very good, Brad. Very good. Goal. Well, thank you very much, Alex. I do have to say, in a in your brand new Saka Seven shirt, you were performing rather well yourself, oh, looking very drippy. Iced out. You did. You absolutely did two people with a fake shot, which was br- it was beautiful. You missed the shot, but listen, I was uh, I was sort of paying homage to Lacazette. I think. Yeah. Oh fucking just, hell! Fucking just oh. lovely bit of build up, and then just no end product. What? What? Actually, is that true of Lacazette? It's more like no build-up, no end product. <laughs> I I, I'm, why we are forcing Aubameyang out on the left oh, to God. accommodate this absolutely French smurf of a player? Like, <laughs> God, why, why, just French why, smurf. just just why, just why? Before we. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna try and link French Smurf with Arsene Wenger. I can't do that. He is French though. Uh, but before we get into that, yeah, I just do want to say 
cheers. Just do want to say um, <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> it is Arsene Wenger's 71st birthday today. Yeah. Brad, Happy when you're birthday. 71, what do you want? What do you want to have achieved? I was saying to my friend yesterday, it's not actually unachievable for us to win the Champions League. Yeah, no, what, by the time we're 71? Yeah, I mean, that's what, another... No, no, but I'm not even talking as a manager. As in, like, it's physically possible for you and I. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it kind of of comforted me as I, like, walked to the gym in the rain. Um, Oh, yeah, everything's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's possible if you believe. But no, but what I'm saying, Brad, is, like, we we could join a non-league team... We could do the Jamie Vardy route. rise up through the ranks. You you, you yeah. never know. I, I think Jamie Vardy was my age when he was playing for Fleetwood. So listen, if I get on a Sunday League team now, who knows where I'm going to be when I'm 33? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't bear thinking about. Um, yes, no, but happy oh, happy birthday God. to Austin Wenger. I hope I'm I hope I'm happy happy and healthy when I'm 71. I'd be happy with 71. Yeah, I just hope I'm 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 hope I'm still I hope I'm still alive, mate. I hope I'm still mobile. I think playing football yesterday, I was like, do you know what? It, it's such a thing you just take for granted that you can just run around. But when that goes... Mm, oof. Yeah, massively. And even like you see people our age, you know, if you if you have a horrific injury or, you know, you're plagued by something. I like, it's, I mean, it is the age old question, isn't it? Of kind of like, you know, is it worse to be born like like it? As in to be born with an affliction that would be like you can't walk or you can't mm. see or you can't hear or to yeah, or to run. have or you can't run or to have it kind of thrust upon you in midlife. I don't know what would be worse. I'm never going to attest to that because I think it's disrespectful to the people that have it because I don't know. I don't have that experience. But yeah, it's it's slightly terrifying, isn't it? That um, at one point your body could just give out on you. Deep stuff to go into this <laughs> podcast. Took a dark turn. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to edit that out, aren't we? We're going to edit that out. That's no. not going to be in. No, we don't have to, Brad. <laughs> what is going on? This is Where is this fucking podcast going, mate? This is two people who've just watched 90 minutes of Arsenal play Rapid Vienna and are on their and last get legs. Done and, get, and get done by Rapid Vienna. Like, there is no way we should have won that game. Um, okay, yeah, no, let's, let's get into the game. We... Uh, we what did we do? We just about won at uh, Rapid Vienna's stadium, which is called. Go on, Brad. If you get this, uh, Vienna Velodrome. The Vienna. Can you look that up while I just do the intro? Look that up and see see how right you all are. Right, all right. Um. Okay. So Arsenal won just about two one at Rapid Vienna with goals from Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. And a goal from David Luiz, uh, and their goal, their goal came from their number nine, who's a Greek player. Um, I don't really know. Listen, oh, it's called the Allianz Stadion. You were close. Um, I was nowhere near. <laughs> uh, so yeah, overall, uh, what were your thoughts? I'll let you start on this one, Brad. Turgid performance. I know we love that word on this podcast. It was just a bit drab until we conceded. And then it seemed that we got the kick up the arse that we needed and we finally started being able to kind of string some passes together. But not even just... We seem so robotic at the moment. And there is nobody that can break those lines. And I hate to say it, but it is these games that you need somebody dominating that midfield with those passes and controlling the midfield almost. And 
without the person that normally does that, Xhaka in the midfield, we we had no one really doing that. You know, Party played a phenomenal game, but I don't think he's the kind of maestro-esque player that's going to kind of be picking out those balls, even though there was a beautiful ball from him kind of swinging over to the right-hand side for Cedric, uh, whose touch was so bad, it literally took him into two players and the chance was dead. Um, but I mean, it feels like a loss because of how bad we were. I think Party could be that player eventually, but to expect him to do that on his debut is ridiculous. Of course, I think yeah. I, t- I I tweeted this out. We just appear to be playing so much. We're playing out from the back, but it's it's so ineffective at the moment, and and mm-hmm. so much of the time we play in this kind of U shape where it's like Cedric has it, gives it to David Luiz, David Luiz gives it to Gabriel, Gabriel gives it to Glasnach, Glasnach might give it to Saka, but probably just plays it back to David uh, to Gabriel, Gabriel gives it. To, it's just an on and on and on and on, and it's just this kind of like U shape where we don't have any penetration. Mm-hmm. They play it into party. He's hassled. He has to play it back. Although he did often try and um and turn it and, and play it forward and, and wiggle his way out. Yeah, and yeah. He, he did well occasionally. But that was you know. And then and then who's he got in front of him? No one. The ref as well. Oh, I know it. I know we're not talking about that, but it, talking about like some of the the instances with party. It was just yeah. This whole game just felt like a bit. We'll come on to the ref, but the the you know in the in the formation that we're playing, I wouldn't mind sacrificing someone on that on the wing to to cut inside and I I watched Pe- I watched Pepe do it earlier but if you if you imagine if we're play- if we're if we're building up in that sort of 3-4-3 three, three, when party turns there's no one in front of him to play the ball into or there might be a Saka dropping deep who hasn't got the physicality there may be a Lacazette dropping deep who hasn't got the physicality in a different way or the legs or, Pepe, or the end product or anything or the anything or the source or nothing we're missing and I just every time I looked at that space between their midfield and their defence I'm not going to say the O word because I don't think he'd fix our problems there but there's someone who surely someone should be dropping into that position you know Lacazette can drop in but then we're missing or or, or even drive forward forward Party isn't that guy he's not he's not going to drive pick up the ball and drive every single time single time he gets it he's a bit more of a stationary play the right ball recycle the pass break up play you know i think he does that really well and i actually think he's long term probably jacker's i don't know whether jacker will get a game of a party hopefully long term but the, the the thing for me really was that massive gap and and especially for the first sort of 60 minutes basically and well until they got their goal around what was it just after half time yeah until they got that goal, there was no one attacking that space. There was there was just this kind of like U-shaped football. We were just sort of like doing all right. There was no urgency. There was no real connection between the mm-hmm. between the back line and the front line. And yeah, and everyone just seemed bored, to be honest. Yeah, here's where we differ, though. I think that the O word would resolve some of our problems. I really do. I looked at um, a tweet. I retweeted it on my personal Twitter account. In the first half, uh, the rapid Are you plugging yourself, Brad? Oh, I mean, I don't give a shit about my personal Twitter. Go follow the Diff Knock Twitter because you'll find more insightful (laughs) stuff on there. Um, That basically said... Put yourself down, Brad. Oh, uh, mate, I just... Twitter's for the band, isn't it? I just like scrolling. Yeah. Um, But Rapid VN's... XG was at 0.61 to our 0.21. We were just absolutely toothless in that first half. 
and absolutely toothless up until the point that they scored. And then I think everybody realized, oh shit, you know, this is not like, it's not good. So people decided to pull their finger out of the arse. But I have two problems with this. One, why weren't they playing like that in the first place? Why does it take a goal to get kind of the engines moving and people trying to pick out intelligent passes and actually play football? And two, you know, it came out... My issue with Mikel's words in the press conference about Ozil stating that it was purely footballing decisions uh, is that it's a lie. I don't care if you refuse to answer the question. Just don't lie and get yourself found out because it just makes you look like a dickhead because it's obviously not footballing reasons. You know, Meza Ozil, okay, he is not the player that he once was. Or to be fair, I don't even think we know that because it's not like he's been played in a system that he's going to have flourished in in the last few years under Emery. Played a few games under the early stages of Arteta, but again, not enough of a sample to show what kind of a player he still is. But I do think that he offers more. I, I tweeted this out myself. I would rather play Ozil at left back than Kalazanak because I don't think they offer anything different from each other at that position. I think you put Ozil at left back, you get the same amount out of him as you do Kalazanak. And at least Ozil can pass a ball better. And this is my this is my thing. I don't I don't like the fact that it's obviously come out and lied because you look at how poor we were at creating opportunities for our front line before kind of the pace of Aubameyang came on. And he's our only threat at the moment is that when he comes on, people get scared which kind of forces them into kind of double marking him, which opens up space for other people. And that is not the way that we should be relying on playing football. I agree with, with a lot of what you're saying there. I, I think to pick up on something you said sort of earlier on in that, the creative space there, whether that is an Ozil or whether that is whoever, mm. we're just currently not playing to what feels like anyone's strengths. It doesn't feel like anyone's strengths. It doesn't feel like, at the moment. At the moment, play the Willian that, there for Christ's sake. Exactly. the The word that comes to my mind is is casual, and I look at, I look at Lacazette. I look at Pepe. I look at David Luiz, who I think, being so casual, David Luiz causes things like the Leno mistake to happen. I'm not defending Leno, but David Luiz is so casual, and so much of that game. Um, you miss the intensity. You know, you look at Tierney and, and Bellerin when they came on. There's just a front-footedness to them that players like when you play, even party, you know, he's calm and that's fine. But you also need players who have got that passion and have got that drive and have got that kind of, I will I will get get out of a 50-50. It just felt yeah. a lot like Enketia, not interested. Um, and I'm not saying these players can't be passionate on their day, but the the combination of players that was put out, if you, for example, stuck a Miguel Aziz who's looking to impress, right, in the middle of that of that park, what happens? It's transformed. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, players players are trying to raise their game, you know, whoever's, and if someone comes on, they know that there's a youngster barking up their um, rear end. That's not the expression. Um, but like the, you know, the, it was just very, very casual, and it's Arteta's. Mm-hmm. I think it, I, it was a stat that's it's Arteta's thirty-seventh uh, game in charge, and if anything, it, it feels like we're regressing. And I, I struggle to say that con- considering my 
absolute love for Arteta. But I've watched those in the last games, in the last few games, and I just feel whether this system needs to be binned and moved on, whether we're missing someone in that space, whether we're missing... I don't know what we're missing. It's It just feels very turgid. We're missing We're missing an 8-10. We're missing an 8-10 is what we're missing. We're missing the Alwar type, the Sabayos type, the Ozil type, because we've got two players in in Party and Jacka or Party and even Sabayos who can play those deep-lying roles, but we do have... I mean, we could play Sabayos there and I would be all for that. Or we could play Willian there and I would be all for that. We just need to be playing someone there. It feels like we've bought Party to transition to a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 or a kind of three in midfield, three in attack vibe. And we're not doing it at the moment. And it's to the detriment of everything. You know, and obviously this is a Europa League game. We're playing players that we wouldn't usually play. We've got Kalazanak on the field. We've got... Cedric at right back we've got lots of players who wouldn't usually get a game but to go back to your comment about kind of desire and playing front-footedly I'm a big basketball fan and uh, the late great Kobe Bryant put it fantastically when he said that he actually found playing in the NBA easier than playing in high school or college basketball leagues because in high school and college basketball leagues there was something to play for in the they wanted to get to the NBA. They wanted to make it and become stars. And when he got into the NBA, and this is his own words, he found it so much easier because everyone relaxed because they'd quote unquote made it. And I think that there are a lot of players in that Arsenal squad that are far too comfortable with their squad position because they know that our squad is so weak. You look at David Luiz and he does play very relaxed, but who do you take David Luiz out for? Personally, I'm of the opinion that, you know, he's our second best centre-back, but that's just because we've got shit centre-backs. I'm not saying it's because we've got a wealth of great centre-backs and he's another great one. I'm saying it's because we we are not exactly well endowed with massive quality in that area. You know, it's the same with a lot of positions. You look at Pepe sometimes and I don't see somebody who wants to prove that they're worth £72 million. Made a great run in the first, I think it was in the first half, but just lost it like didn't lose the ball but just kind of like started tripping over his own feet and tried to get it in on his right and couldn't quite pull it off but I don't see a lot of fight from these players and a lot of them trying to prove that they are worth the money that they're worth and you know I texted this to you like fuck loyalty at this point if we're not going to show loyalty to kind of our most loyal servant and our most long-serving players fuck loyalty you play the best players and the players that want it and i don't care if Leno was number one last season and got us out of some absolutely, you know, turgid situations or horrible situations or however you want to put it when we were dog shite and facing 20 shots against Watford, against Southampton, against all of these teams. He is no longer the keeper that we need for our system. We need a keeper that's good on their feet and that can pass a ball. And time and time again tonight, he proved that he's not that. He can save a shot, yes. And I think that we were particularly harsh on him with the kind with the um I don't know if I can't remember if it was Sterling or if it was Aguero with the parry out because I've watched it in slow-mo and I've seen the stills. He places it basically in the only place that he can place it. And it's just unfortunate that Sterling gets there first over Gabriel. But he is not the the profile of player that we need to take this team forward. And we've not exact... Um, I texted you about our net spend as well. We've got a net spend of like £35 million currently because the Gabriel deal only costs £5 million up front. 
So it's not like we've spent the money that we made from his sale because we usually spend that amount of money in a summer anyway. You know, with if we if we take away the 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 Martinez money, we spent fifty million quid. We usually spend about fifty million quid in a summer. Why we've sold a goalkeeper to not spend the money, and that has made our team worse because we were playing brilliantly with him in goal for the finals. And obviously, I know Leno was injured, so we can't say whether he would have played or not. But if you if you look at the kind of the back end of last season with Martinez in there and then the front end of this season with Leno in there, we looked better last season. And there, there are obvious reasons as to why. Because we were playing a style of football that our manager wanted to play and that at least the person doing the initial distribution was better at than the one we currently have. Yeah, there's a lot in that. I, I think... This is all very from, reactionary as well, because I've just seen him make of four howlers and he's pissed me off. Of course, but equally, I think sometimes we can settle after a game and forget how it really was. Like we just remember the result and we, we you know, we move and the, and the dialogue moves on. Something new happens. I think it's interesting sometimes to really key into what you thought of the game because mm-hmm. you can kind of forget that. <sighs> I think this all comes down, a lot of what you're saying comes down to the type of football we want to play. And at the moment, as much as I love Arteta, I love what appears to be happening. We're getting results, ultimately. He's 21 wins from 38 games now. He's won two trophies. I'm still concerned about the style of play. And I'm still concerned about what we're doing. And I'm still concerned about, you know, where we are as a team in in terms of taking that next step. These types of games should be should be at the players players behind, who aren't playing because of Bamiyang and Jaka and and whoever are playing should be absolutely busting a nut that's not the phrase busting a busting gut, a gut. <laughs> <laughs> busting. <laughs> they should be busting a- I think you earlier you said that out. that's got to go. I can't edit that out. It was earlier you said "well endowed," and I'd only ever heard that in like a in a penis oh, context. A yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, p- these players should be busting a nut. You can't edit that out. You can't edit no, that out. That these is the players best should moment of the podcast. That's so funny. Oh. These players should be busting a gut to get on the pitch and run. And I, you know, I've, I've said it before about Willock. Casual. I've said it before about. Uh, David Luiz, casual, but I felt so much like a Kolasinac. I mean, just casual, casual, casual. And it's not that they're giving balls away. It's just the tempo is so slow. So even if we are trying to play this system that I can't seem to see is is effective at all, or maybe Rapid Vienna closes down and we're not showing them enough respect. I I just can't see where this is going. Like I'm uh, sorry. No, 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 no. We're not going to give the out of we did not show. Rapid Vienna should be... They are the team on Football Manager that you put your entire reserve team out against to give your main squaddies a rest before you go into the next match. I'm not saying football manager is a true representation of life because I'm well away you can't do that shit. But it is not a question of we're not showing them enough respect. Like, they're not a good team. They're not a good team. We should have walked them over tonight. There is a reason that we are pissed off at this result. And that is because if you look at the dearth in squad quality, you look at the players that we've got on the pitch, they, 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 it shouldn't have been a contest. This should have been 3-1, 4-1. 
and we were lucky to win. That's why this conversation kind of exists, and we're we're, we're going. You know, it's there. There's something wrong at the moment because we're not even able to walk over teams that we should be able to walk over. Because you might find with a Rapid Vienna or an RB Salzburg that they've got two or three great players. You think that uh, the midfielder, Soboslai, can't say his name properly, or Pat Sandaka, um, like a couple of players from Salzburg, two of their most, like their, their best squad players. You think fair enough, one or two. But as a squad, when you've got the quality that we have, we should be able to turn them over pretty easily. But we just haven't been able to do that tonight. Okay, positives then. Um, I thought Gabriel was excellent again. As I per thought, usual. Oh yeah. my God. I mean, what a steal he's, lo- he's looking like. He's imperious. He's solid. He looks engaged. He looks like he's... Good in the air. He just looks turned on for the entire... Oh my God. What a po- Come on, Alex. He looks not turned on. You know what I mean? So much. So, <laughs> so much. much innuendo. Switched on. He looks switched on the whole game. And he he just looks you know brilliant tackles as great well. Great tackler, really solid. Yeah, just 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 he's our best defender by a long shot at this point, and mm-hmm. that's absolutely and that's really really useful and and exciting for the future because like you know to have someone at his age profile, at his quality, at what looks like his commitment and his kind of understanding of the game. Mm-hmm. I can see him fitting into many, many systems. That's that's really, really great. Definitely, definitely. And he just seems to know when to stay on his feet and when to go to ground, which I think is such an underrated yeah. kind of asset for a centre-back. He knows when to make that tackle a slide tackle or whether to kind of jostle for the ball or whether to just stick a foot in. And that, it's it's kind of... It, that it, it's like the whole conversation of kind of you add distribution to certain goalkeepers and they become world-class. I think that's what you add to certain centre-backs and they become world-class, that ability to have that knowledge to know. And I'm not saying Gabriel is world-class yet, but I definitely think that he could be because he does seem to have that knowledge and ability to know what type of t- tackle to make and when to make it. And on the distribution side, he's also not afraid to ping a pass. And I think when oh, when, yeah. when he knows the runs a bit better of, of his teammates, I mm-hmm. think those... Uh, a, few, a few of those will come off. Um, so yeah, that was a big positive. I also thought Party was excellent. Um, I thought Party was really. He uh, there was one moment where um, he kind of nicks the ball away from one of the Vienna strikers um, to to save a goal scoring opportunity. He was occasionally he dallies on the ball, but but I much prefer that than someone passing it and giving it away or making the wrong pass. I think he's really solid. He's really physically imposing. Again, it's interesting that. Arteta has added height and power to his his team, and I think it was something we were missing. Um, I think he he just looks solid, and you know, for for a debut, um, he he got the play going. He was he was constantly looking to go forward. And there was one moment where he like did a full three sixty because he just didn't want to give the ball back. He was you know he was he was really keen to progress the play. Um, yeah, really um, really promising. Yeah. I, uh... I'm so happy we've got him in the club. I'm I'm over the moon. I think he's brilliant. And I think that when we, you know, decide to transition into a more possession-heavy football playing side and actually kind of knocking the ball about a bit more, he will be vital for that. And, you know, he's got, an, he's got a pinger of a pass on him. He's a lot of what we've missed in the last kind of five or so years of us as a club, really. 
Um, and I think that he already kind of seems to be gelling well. Yeah, I mean, he dallies a little. And I think that that's also just kind of getting used to the pace of a new team and the pace of new mm. leagues, new challenges, new players. And He was pointing and directing. Though. Yeah. Like he, was, he was really... Yeah. The fact he speaks English is so underrated as well. The fact that he's already fluent in the kind of language, meaning there is no barrier of communication, is brilliant, brilliant yeah. for us. Um, a couple of other things I noticed. I mean, we've we've sort of touched on Leno. Um, and not to go back to the negatives, but the well, firstly, one thing I I, I neglected to mention was Enketia tonight. <sighs> I'm starting similar to Willock. I'm starting to struggle to see where Enketia develops because mm. he's great in the box. He's if 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 a ball comes back, um, it gets gets pulled back by you know a Saka or a, or a Pepe or whatever from from the from the from the touchline. I take either Bamiang or Enketia over everyone, you know, to to finish that. And I think he in the box, he's a fantastic finisher and poacher. Outside of that, I just don't see what he offers particularly. Yeah, but this is the thing, and this is the conversation that we've constantly had about Aubameyang. Like, I think Aubameyang is better on the wing than Enketia is, and obviously Enketia was playing. But even that kind even of Aubameyang, even Aubameyang, sorry to interrupt you, is sorry, he offers he offers a little bit more pace and he offers a bit more physicality in terms of he can do a bit of hold up play. Enketia has not got that presence, of course. Um, but I, 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 you know, he's not old. He's what, 2021? 20, I think if we're playing him through the centre, it's it's different. If we're playing, say, Saka on the left and Enketia through the middle, there might be more of those opportunities because we're just not playing our best players in their best positions. It's And it's frust- it is frustrating for me because Enketia is a fox in the box, six-yard box striker, I don't think the man's ever seen a goalkeeper in his life. All he does is tap it into an open net. And I'm not saying that that's an underrated skill. I think he's fantastic at what he does. He's a he's brilliant at what he does. But if you don't play him at what he does, it'd be like playing Granit Xhaka at 10. You wouldn't do it because he wouldn't be able to do it. So we need to... Cut. And we are shoehorning in players at the moment that do not fit even this system. You know, we're playing Lacazette at striker and then Enketia on the left. But Enketia doesn't offer the same pace and running channels that Aubameyang does. So what's the point of playing Enketia on the left? If you're going to play somebody on the left, play Saka, and then take him out from where he was and kind of give people other minutes elsewhere. It just seemed like a really, really strange decision to me to put Enketia out on the left. And, it, you know, it still feels like a strange decision to me that we still constantly put Aubameyang out on the left. He's a striker. His his most productive seasons have come at centre forward. He's a an absolute poacher of the finisher. And we are wasting him for a player that, unfortunately, in Lacazette is offering us nothing at the moment. You know, he's he's very lucky to have the amount of Premier League goals he currently has this season. They've been scrappy and they've been lucky. And I think that that's papered over a few cracks at the beginning of the season for a lot of people. Uh, and obviously the fact that Aubameyang was on this four-game goal drought didn't help. But when you're creating four chances a game, you don't want them to fall to Lacazette. You want them to fall to Aubameyang. You want them to fall, if they're in the six-yard box, you want them to fall to Enketia over Lacazette. It's 
it's just a shame because it feels like and this was a conversation I, I thought we could either have this podcast or next podcast. But it feels like there's a lot of players at the moment that we just need gone and we just need to sell. And it feels like we've just failed to start that kind of Jurgen Klopp-esque Liverpool gutting of a squad. And there's a lot. It, it's kind of like putting square pegs in round holes at the moment for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, large parts of that I, I massively agree with. There's a difficulty for me in that I'm seeing progress with the signings, as I've said before. Um, Arteta's brought in Gabriel, fantastic. He's brought in Party, fantastic. Cedric less so, but he's a free transfer. And Marie, we don't we don't know much about. You know, William looks decent. I think what, Cedric what... as well was because we assumed that Maitland Niles was going to go. Like that yeah. was it for him. Yeah. So we've kind of we're stuck with that situation because Maitland Niles has done a U turn, and now we've got three right backs. Yeah, yeah. Interesting comments from Maitland Niles in the week about that, and I, there's a there's an interesting discussion around Maitland Niles' future considering his involvement at the moment. But um, mm. for another time. Um, but yes. I'm encouraged by the recruitment, but it is just um, our, our podcast just randomly stopped recording just now. And we were just discussing about um, you're watching the, the City documentary and, and we were just saying that, yeah, you know, Mustafi still plays for us three seasons after that Carabao Cup game. And we just haven't been ruthless enough. The Carabao Cup final, like it's, it's, it's and Kalasanak as well. Like you, I think as football fans, we start to forget these moments, but in that cup final, Mustafi is horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Kalazanak is is trash, and I'm watching City do deals, and I'm watching City just go, these players aren't good enough. We need to go get another centre-back. They go out and get another centre-back, and then they start shifting people out. Like, it just feels like we need to spend, like, 120 million, and, the, and like, just in one summer, just, like, try and sort some areas of the squad out, and then gut some, and then... Yeah, great, brilliant. But it just seems like the 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 um, finances just aren't going to, one, support that. But two, it's not, it just feels like it's never going to be done quick enough. It always feels like we're two signings away from finishing a rebuild and then we get those two signings three seasons too late. And then by that point, we've had to have sold someone or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's really tricky. Um, but yeah, Enketia's future interests me. Um, but yeah, we'll you know we'll wait and see on that. Only other, a couple of things I'm, I noticed from the game was, I mean, Arteta was screaming at Pepe all game, mm-hmm. just constantly. I heard Nico, 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 um, and I saw Pepe turning and looking. Uh, and I've just seen Arteta's uh, comments post game is about uh, playing out from the back um, and around, kind of essentially saying that. Hang on, what did he say? He said we need to learn. Hang on, you've got it here. Um, he takes he takes you know he takes fault for it. He says it's obviously my fault because I demand them to do those things, as in passing out from the back. But he says we need to understand when we can play out from the back and when we should kick the ball into the stands. Um, so I, I appreciate him taking the the kind of the the flack for that. But equally, you know, there's only so much he can do, and I'm sure I'm sure he's not telling them the wrong things. So it's you know it's 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 a process, and it's it's going to take a while. But I think it's. Mm. Yeah, we've had this discussion before around, you know, whether when fans come back in, is it going to be a different thing? But I, I just still feel as though Arteta hasn't quite bedded his ideas in. I think um, it's good for now that fans aren't back. I don't, I, I don't think it's good because I want fans to be back in stadiums, obviously. But I think it's good for Arsenal Football Club in the sense that, like you say, Arteta can spend more time bedding in this idea and shouting at players until they get it right. Hmm. 
Anything else on the game? Um, no, 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 no. Not really. Um, the ref was shit. Yeah, just fucking terrible. But some the thing is, is sometimes that's going to happen. We didn't almost lose that game because of the ref. We almost lost that game because we were not very good, basically. Um, yeah. Oh, we are, uh, and also we 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 must mention the El Nenesons. That pass for the for the Abamian goal was saucy. And I don't I don't want to say he's listened to Diffnock, taken confidence, and and that confidence has allowed him to pick out that pass, Brad. But I am saying that so. I am taking 100% credit for the El Nenesons. Okay, Nathan Baroda, 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 Boroda has sent me an email saying, Hi guys, really enjoy the podcast. A question, how would you feel about Arsenal emulating Liverpool's tactical system, i.e. overlapping fullbacks, inverted forwards, a false nine and three hardworking midfielders? I think it suits our profile well with the quality of Pepe and Albert in half spaces, absence of a creative midfielder and pretty good attacking fullbacks. I saw this and I think it's a really good shout. I think that's sort of what Arteta is going for. But my quick answer, and I'll, I'll let you answer in a second, then we'll, we'll, we'll delve in, is I don't think we've seen enough signings yet to know whether that's what Arteta is going for. But how would I? But how would I feel about it? Yeah. I mean, if we could emulate Liverpool, great. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> of course, if we can emulate Liverpool, win a Champions League, get to two Champions League finals in two years, win the league. Of course, fucking brilliant. But tactically, um, I mean, I'm f- I'm fond of a Gagan press, but I <laughs> do not know... What? Of a Gagan press? No, it's just... it's What other context would you hear the, the phrase, I'm fond of a Gagan press? <laughs> But I just don't know if we have... I think that's a, uh, an entire tactical overhaul. And um, I think that, you know, Mane puts in a fair amount of work more than Aubameyang does up and down the pitch and has a better final ball than Aubameyang does. My my issue is, is we're obviously start We're building this team around Aubameyang for the next few years. And I don't... And I think that because of that, his best position is centre forward. And, and he that... doesn't play like Firmino or Mane. Yeah. And that's why it couldn't be a false nine. Because he he couldn't play that false nine dropping deep and linking play role because his his best and most productive seasons has just come as a plain goal scorer with two creative wingers side by side. So going forward in the post Abamyang era, in a couple of years' time, I'd love to see us kind of adopt a Gagan press, get that kind of centre forward cam false ninety roll in and play with inverted wingers with because we've got quite young talented fullbacks um and then you know having industrious midfielders but I, I i kind of echo your thoughts one we haven't seen enough signings to understand what tactical remit we're going for realistically we could stick with a 343 for the rest of the time that arteta is our coach we don't know uh, I wouldn't want that to happen because I think that, that that just kind of sends out the the mentality and message that we're just there to soak up and that we're doing that to kind of negate the opposition rather than play our own brand of football. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I would like it to happen in terms of if we did it and it was successful, obviously. Do I think it's going to happen? I would probably put my hat in the ring and say no. 
because even in the signings we have seen, if you look at Liverpool, have a combination, and they and they they're they're now at a stage. There's a there's a couple of stages to Liverpool's thing, and they if you look at like their first sort of couple of midfields uh, that they that they put out, that they, they, they had like the sort of the Henderson, Wijnaldum kind of nailed on to start, um, who are just absolute engines, and there's no one in our team really who runs at that intensity yeah i was watching the liverpool game last night wijnaldum was like 90th minute sprinting past their their last man it's incredible well it's like henderson like i don't i, I don't think Hen- jordan henderson is a good footballer i don't think he's the like I th- he can occasionally play a decent ball but i don't think he's the kind of and also i'm not saying this in the sense of i, I uh, he's a good he's very good at what he does but I, when i say i don't think he's a good fo- footballer i just don't think he's one of the most technically talented midfielders i think you look at kevin de bruyne you look at tiago you look at lots of other midfielders yeah. and they can play the ball better control the ball better yeah. but what jordan henderson does is he runs and he leads and he never quits on doing either of those and he things. wins 50-50s and he's and he's decent yeah. on the ball he's not bad always always there for the second ball he's a he's a serviceable passer but he's always there to get that second ball to crunch into the tackle to work and to run and we do not have that at the moment we might yeah. we've got somebody in party who's at least a bit more mobile and runs a bit more but Granite Xhaka. But this is the thing. It depends. It depends on signings. And I, I, you know, from the signings we've done so far, I'm not seeing, for example, us signing a young Wijnaldum or young Henderson or Enro. I'm seeing, I'm seeing us signing different types of players, different prof- profiles of players, and I'm seeing us not play that kind of football. And that's fine. You know, yeah. Arteta's Arteta's come from Guardiola Wenger kind of kind of camp, and I, I don't think that's gonna that's gonna happen. Yeah. So to answer the question, I. I I'd love us to emulate it, but I don't think, I think we're going to play a lot. I think Arteta would love us to play a lot more of a kind of possession based, um, you know, quality game um, where we're not necessarily, we're not, we're focusing more on having the ball and using the ball rather than physically imposing ourselves. What I would say is go back and watch that Liverpool game at the end of last season, the four nil against Crystal Palace skip and if you can find it skip to about the 70th minute and just watch those Liverpool players run I can't see an Arsenal team under this manager doing that um, no I just don't think it's the style we're we're more likely to try and because of our manager and because of the ethos that he's been brought up with pass players off the park rather than run players off the park which is what Liverpool do so well which is why you see them snatch a lot of kind of 90th minute victories because they are running and they are constantly running and they are they are athletes to the last second of that match, meaning that they are there ready, switched on for when that 90th minute opportunity comes and the opponents have switched off because they're knackered and they take it. They've also, I think now they can afford to, to play players like Thiago who are pure quality. And this is what I'm saying about earlier about the kind of stages where, you know, if if we were going for that through that through that first stage where we just pressed teams off the park until we kind of we kind of were feared i don't think we're doing that i i yeah it's it, 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 it's a really difficult thing to know exactly because as we were discussing earlier in, in the kind of analysis of the game i'm not really sure what arteta is trying to do and certainly wh- whatever he's doing it's not working particularly well 
um whether it's the kind of you know the i understand the build-up from the back and the but then you know you're looking for people who take it on the half turn and, and play it forward are we looking to play sort of more, more man city using the wings and the width I, i'm not i think it's a mix at the moment but i think potentially in him mixing so much and, and having so kind of many so much flexibility and a lopsidedness and stuff i don't think he's necessarily ch- settled on a system yet i think he's got ideas and principles but I think he's still in that kind of, I think last podcast talks about forming storming. I think we're still in that storming bit where he's kind of going, okay, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try William at false nine. Let me try this, 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 this. And I think eventually perhaps a year down the line, we'll start to see a lot more consistency or maybe by the end of the season, I hope. Yeah. I think he needs, he needs time. He needs time. He needs another, he needs another January and summer transfer window before we can truly judge what he's going to do. Yeah. Because realistically, we brought three players into the club. We brought Gabriel, Party, and Willian into the club to change the club now. So three out of 11 out of a 25-man squad is not particularly no. a lot. And, it, and, it's, and it's too early so. to, to say what we're going for. Mm-hmm. I think currently at the moment, we're trying to win football matches, which is the you know the goal of football, right? But I think, as in what I'm trying, what I'm saying is, I don't think he's massively imposing a style. I hope, as in, like I hope this isn't him going, yeah, this is working. It's like no, okay then, Brad, let's do it. Mesut Özil. So he put out a statement on Wednesday afternoon saying, "This is a difficult message to write to the Arsenal fans that I played for over the past few years." Essentially saying that um, loyalty is hard to come by. Uh, he's tried to remain positive. That's why he kept silent. Um, he said he was happy with with this development, um, and he said I was not, I was no longer allowed to play football for Arsenal. Um, I will continue to train as best I can, and wherever possible, use my voice against inhumanity and for justice. Arteta came out and said it was for footballing reasons. I think that's bollocks. Bullshit. It's, um, it's not even. I think it's it's bullshit. Mustafi does yeah, not offer I, you more. Kalazanak does not offer you more with with the dirt with the gut like the amount of center backs we've got not registering one more of them and registering Meza Urza when we, we we need creativity in the midfield it's not footballing reasons anyone who believes that's a mug straight up mug <sighs> it's a really 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 tricky thing to discuss because there's lots of mixed messages around what's going on with Arteta uh, with um with Ozil. Mm-hmm. Arteta is sticking to and has come out now and taken that all on him, said it's my fault, I haven't got the best out of Mesut. But he's saying he's training well. Ozil is saying, you know, I'm sad I haven't been registered, but I'm still going to give my all for the club. And by the way, I'll fight for injustice. And the club is saying it's nothing to do with politics or it's coming out there's nothing to do with politics. And Arteta also says it's nothing to do with money. He said in the in the press conference that he's read something about it to be doing with bonuses. It's not that. But what but what are we meant to believe as fans? Because there's and, and considering the reports have been going around about his bonuses recently. If you want my personal opinion, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I think Ozil is probably in Arteta's squad if he if he wants him. Maybe not starting every match as as we saw pre lockdown. I think the pay uh, the the fact that Ozil refused to have his wages cut is a factor. I think the mm-hmm. 
the the thing that was sorry, but the, to cut you off, but the thing that would back that up as well was it was released that um, I can't remember who the uh, the third player was, but apparently Socrates was right. also one of the players, and he doesn't seem to have been registered either. Yeah, hasn't been registered. There's also which which that now makes it even more stupid that we didn't just send him out on loan to PSG. There's also the fact that Arteta is saying he's training well, but he's not in the squad. So you, you're going, okay, so that, so then it can't be a footballing reason. So then your footballing reasons is covering something up. And then the cover-up has to be of something that it would be, if it was an injury or something that you can tell us, there must be a political thing there. I think that that's a part of it. Yeah. And otherwise, I think he, he's coming to the end of his contract. I think Arsenal are, are moving forward from him. And I don't think he's... I don't know. It, it, this is the thing. There's, there's so many possible avenues you could go down. I think one thing I would say is I see a lot of people on Twitter and in the media and 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 talking about it and going, well, this is you know Arteta said this and and therefore that and and people sit in sort of what feels like a couple of camps of like he's moved on, people just need to accept it. You know, he doesn't want to play Özil. You're finding excuses. There's the Özil's been shafted by the club. This is ridiculous. Blah 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 blah. I think it's probably a mix of a couple of those things, as I've just said, and I, I, I think too much discussion around it which is why i try and keep it to a minimum on this podcast too much discussion around it gets toxic for the club i think and you know you, i was watching bt sport before the game today that's all they were talking about jack humphrey's mentioned Ozil's tweet like four times it's obviously going to get mentioned and i think the less we lean into that narrative around it because ultimately no one knows nobody knows well the only people that know are Ozil and uh, the club it's not footballing reasons um a hundred percent it's not you cannot tell me that our seventh choice center back in mustafi or you know i can understand registering kalazanak we need a left back but also ainsley maitland niles can do a decent job there or kalazanak are going to offer more over the course of a season and if he's training well then it makes no sense to say it's for footballing reasons um I think it will it will be a mixture of things. Uh it could be the pay cut. Uh it could be I mean it could be the kind of political things about China and their treating of the Muslims over there. But that kind of happened in December time and he's still featured after that. So I think that that's a, a less likely option. This is I think this is the, why I, yeah. I say and sorry to cut you off and this is why I say I don't think it's one thing. And people say, well, it's definitely the, the the political thing. Well, no, because he played after. Well, it's definitely the bonuses. Well, he's been playing for ages. I just think it's a it's a mix of a load of this stuff. I think now we're moving into the latter stages of it. I think it's going to be the fact that he refused to take a pay. And this is just my personal opinion. And we need a conjecture, Claxon, because I don't fucking know. Warning, conjecture ahead. Um, there it is. I think it will be a mix of these two things. It will be a mix of the bonuses. And if they don't play him, they don't have to pay him as much. And it will be a mix of the fact that he refused to take a pay cut because there is also the evidence that Socrates refused. I can't remember who the third player was. And he's obviously been left out of both of our Premier League and Europa League squads. So it's looking like those two things seem to have been the downfall of Meza Ozil. And also with the kind of 
the nature of the Cronkies, the kind of penny-pinching way that the club's been run for years, it would not surprise me in any way if they've decided to freeze this player out from just being a squad player, because even I'm of the opinion that I don't know if Meza Ozil should start every game, but he definitely should be a squad option, and I can easily see why the Cronkies would say no to kind of penny-pinch a few million. There's definitely an argument from people that I've heard of going, well, Arteta wouldn't wouldn't take, you know, responses to his... You know, Arteta wouldn't uh, change his squad based on what Stan Kroenke wanted. Yes, he would. <laughs> He's his boss. Oh, my, like, oh there's that... a fantastic part of the of the City documentary after they win the Carabao Cup where Pep's demeanour has been this kind of really impassioned, really like big personality in this documentary. And then you see um, the chairman, I will attempt to say his name, but I apologise. Is it, Is it Khaldun Khaldun? Al? Yeah, Khaldun Al-Mubarak. Uh, has Sheikh Mansour on the phone and you watch this conversation between Pep and Sheikh Mansour and it is a very very different conversation than the conversation he's scared that Pep has with his players that Pep has with his staff so he, I think people underestimate you don't, the power yeah. of these Kronky, guys if Kroenke wants Arteta gone Arteta's gone if Arteta is not going to toe the company line, Arteta goes. He quite literally owns the club. So I don't understand yes. that argument at all. <laughs> like people are like, oh, he definitely wouldn't just leave him out because of course. Yes, he would. Yeah. And Arteta, while I think could move to another club and do well, is not quite proven yet enough to move on to a bigger club. And He would I, have to take a step down. I, I, it would be a step down. And I think that if you're Arteta and you're going... I either stomach this for 12 months and I freeze Ozil out like Kroenke wants or I lose my job and I have to take a big step down when it comes to where I am career-wise. You know what he's going to choose. Definitely. There was, a, just to finish this off, there was a um, there was a tweet in the week which was retweeted by Gunnar Blogger. I can't remember who it was, but it was, I can't wait for 30 years' time when we get Mikel Arteta's autobiography and we don't find out what happened between Ozil and the club. <laughs> Oh Christ Almighty! No, do you know what I reckon perfect. that I reckon that comes out as soon as Özil leaves. I'd fucking love it. Release it, Özil. Do it. Release it. I reckon he will. He'd probably, he'd probably jump on Twitch. Oh, um, the money I would pay to just hear him truthfully. Like if we if we knew it was the truth, to just hear him truthfully come out with everything. I don't, but I don't know whether that it would be truthful. Like, as in, I'm sure it'd be his his perspective. I'm sure there'd be a lot of truth in it. But I, there's something about Özil where I go, I feel like he's a bit of a victim, like the way he's handled things in the past with Arsenal, and the way he's handled this. There's a bit of victim. It's difficult there. though, isn't it? Because we don't know. We, but don't, we don't know. know. What's going we don't on. know. And maybe that's my perspective because the club are shifting it that way. You know, maybe everything. Maybe everything will come out, and it will. I'll go. Okay, fair enough. He played the victim then because he was one. But um, yeah, who knows? All right, Bradley. That brings us to the end of the different knock podcast episode it number does. seventeen. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and we will catch you on Monday. Oh, uh, so Monday's podcast will be late because um, we've got the game on the Sunday evening, so we'll be recording Monday morning. We do. So it won't be out for patron, uh, won't be out for patrons until Monday midday and the rest of you in the evening. So, uh, all right. Thanks for listening. All right, lads. And also, if you do Thank want you. to sign up for the Patreon, uh, go for it, because it would be lovely to get a few more sign-ups. Please do. Would be nice. Uh, all right. Thanks so much for listening, and we appreciate you uh, your time, and we'll see you very soon. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you did enjoy that and want to hear some more, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every Monday and Thursday. If you want to support the show and get access to exclusive content, check us out on Patreon and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DiffKnock. Thanks. Podcast Network.